As you can see from uh, the scripture reading this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, Jehoshaphat and Ahab. Um, two unlikely allies uh, from different sides of the street, uh, different belief systems, um, and how one uh, tried to influence the other uh, to come back to the come back from the dark side, if you will. Um, but it ultimately didn't work out for him. Um, there's a couple lessons to be learned from the story of Jehoshaphat and Ahab. Um, one being that uh, um, in order to uh, in order to try to um, befriend somebody who is not uh, of like faith, you have to be strong in the faith yourself. And one of the things that we'll find here is that Ahab, sorry, Jehoshaphat, rather had plenty of uh, had plenty of opportunities if you will in in the course of his relationship with uh, Ahab to uh, to fall back into a wayward style of life but Jehoshaphat being the type of man that he was uh, remained steadfast so uh, the tell of my lesson is unlikely friendships uh, the story of Jehoshaphat and Ahab um, will begin in the book of Second Chronicles. And we'll look at Second uh, <clears throat> Chronicles, the 14th chapter. And I'm going to be doing a lot of reading uh, this morning. Um, but... Uh, be interjecting a few comments uh, from the New Testament as we as we go along. So Second uh, uh, Chronicles, the fourteenth chapter, starting at verse number one, it says, "So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son reigned in his stead. In his days, the land was quiet ten years." And Asaph did that which, which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of the strange gods in the high places, and brake down the images, and cut down the groves. <clears throat> and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, seek the Lord of their fathers. Sorry, my pages are sticking. And to do the law and the commandment. <clears throat> And so we see here that uh, Asal was uh, a man who was uh, that is who had his heart and his mind intent on doing the the things of God. So much so that at this time, as we know, that uh, both Israel and Judah um, were both the citizens of which not all of them, but some of them were still worshiping uh, strange gods in high places. If you were if you you may recall that um, many many years ago, many kings ago, many generations back, that God had commanded um, Joshua and uh, also uh, Saul and David um, to 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 tell the people not to worship in caves or up in mountains in high places um, because he knew that. Uh, in those places of secrecy, that uh, the people would uh, defile themselves and worship other gods. So Asa 
um, being that he was a follower of God, took away all that, and he commanded that uh, they follow uh, the God of their fathers. Um, <clears throat> as as what happened, as what happens with with most kings of this time, Asa goes to war. Um, and in verse number 9 it says, And there came out against them Zerah, the Ethiopian, uh, with a host of a thousand thousand, and three hundred chariots, and came unto Meshurah. Then Asaw went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephatha at uh, Meresha. I'm going to butcher these names, I apologize. <clears throat> it says in verse number 12 that the Lord um, allowed Asa to be victorious. And in verse number 13, <clears throat> it says Asa uh, pursued uh, the Ethiopians uh, to Gerar and overthrew them and took all of the spoils of war back, to, um, back with them. And it says... Uh, uh, in verse number 14 of Second Chronicles chapter 14, And they smote all the cities uh, round about Gerar, and the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents uh, of cattle, and carried away sheep and camels in abundance, and returned to Jerusalem. Starting in verse number 15. <clears throat> uh, sorry, in chapter 15 of Second uh, Chronicles, it says that uh, there was a prophet who, um, who came to Esau. And in verse number 2, it says, The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel hath been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel, and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but exceeding vexations were upon the inhabitants of the countries. <clears throat> And the nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And as a result, Asa takes this, uh, this prophecy, or um, my study Bible says it's a warning, but certainly a prophecy nonetheless, and he continues his reforms of the nation of Israel. Or the excuse me, the nation of Judah. <clears throat> so much so that, as you can see in verse number eleven, um, the uh, the uh, the Israelites in the nation of Judah, it says they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought seven hundred ox and seven thousand sheep. So all of the spoils of war that they got from uh, defeating the Ethiopian uh, king in the cities around about Gerar, um, as a result of Asa's, you know, sincere desire to keep the, Israel, uh, the nation of Judah pure, they sacrificed 
all of those animals and oxen to God. In verse number 12 of Second Chronicles chapter 15, it says, And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. So much short-lived. Um, it was short-lived um, in the in the aspect that, as we see in in every country, um, that it's important to, in order to come about or to in see true reform, a hundred percent of the population has to buy in on it. And what we find here is that not 100% of the population bought in on it. Somebody close to him didn't buy into it. So even more so, um, as far as reforms in a country, um, but looking at reforms even in a family, you know, as a, a smaller group in a people, it requires everybody in that unit to buy in, to be committed to that. Um, to not allow Satan, it's kind of like water. Um, you know, in order to, to keep water from leaking into some place that you don't want it to, every nook and cranny has to be sealed tight. Um, it's like a chain. A chain can't uh, support a load. It's only as strong as its weakest link. And in this case, as we see here in verse number 16 of Second Chronicles chapter 15, it says, and also concerning Macha, the mother of Asa, the king, he removed her from being queen because she made an idol in a grove. His own mother. Yes. He removed his being queen because of her lack of wanting to buy into Asa's uh, um, Objective of getting the Israelites back to faithful worship of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yes. And it, it says again, uh, she was removed uh, because she made an idol in a grove, and Asa caught, cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it at the brook Kidron. Unfortunately, there's a but in verse number 17, but the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Now, Asa is king of the nation of Judah. There are still, as it says in verse number 17, there were still another uh, over in the southern kingdom, if you will, in um, Israel. They were still worshiping idols in high places. In verse number 17, again, as it says, But the high places were not taken out, not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days, and he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated, and that he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war until the, the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. But we see an unlikely friendship uh, begin in chapter 16 of Second Chronicles. Um, as we see here, it says that Asa Basha, 
the king of Israel came up against Judah um, and built a fortification um, in Ramah. <clears throat> and it says that uh, um, Esau, in verse number 2, he took out some, he deducted, took out some, some treasures from the house of the Lord, and he sent it to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, you know, let us make a league between us, between you and I. Now, you have to understand that the nation of Syria um, was not a nation that God was, God has ever been pleased with. Um, since the very beginning, since the first time that God uh, brought his people back from Egypt into the land of milk and honey, into the land of Canaan, the Syrians were always in conflict. Now, there were moments of alliance, moments of peace between these two countries, but Syria has, is not a faithful nation of the beliefs of God. Um, they have their own gods and their own belief system. Certainly, they are not uh, uh, believers in the faith, the one true faith. But see, we see here, because of fear of, uh, of attack, Esau uh, makes an alliance with the, uh, with the Syrian king. Now, <clears throat> it says that uh, as a result uh, of this, that uh, the king of Israel backed down. And you can see that <clears throat> in verse number 5. Um, in verse number 5, upon hearing um, that uh, Esau had made an alliance with the king of uh, Syria, it says that uh, Basah heard it and he left off the building of Ramah. He discontinued building the fortification there and let his work cease. Then Esau the king took all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof wherewith Basah was building. And he built two other cities, Giba and Mizpah. Now Mizpah is a... Um, is an interesting uh, plays an interesting role in in the uh, Israel Israeli I don't want to say Israeli but in the history of the Israelites uh, Mizpah um, was one of the main uh, worship places for the uh, the people of Judah later on um, you probably have seen it on buildings or maybe heard of songs about Mizpah um, Mizpah was I'll have, to, I'll have to go back and find out which king it was, but uh, one of the other future kings that followed after the ways of God um, made a, uh, a huge sacrifice for the Israelites at the altar, which was at Mizpah. And we see that this altar was built out of a fortification uh, that was abandoned by um, Bashah, the king of Israel. I, I see all that. <clears throat> and we went through all that um, because one of the one of the things that we find as we conclude the the end of Second Chronicles, uh, the 16th chapter, is that Esau um, Esau kind of lost his way to some degree, and I and I say that. 
Um, if you look at, and we're not going to read through it all, but um, starting at verse number 7 of Second Chronicles, the 16th chapter, and it says, And at that time Hanani, the seer, came to Asaph, uh, the king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied upon the Lord thy God... Therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. You know, the, um, which is a, a, a really great question that Hanani brings up is, well, if you call yourself a man of God, why didn't you rely on God in the first place? Why did you go to your enemy over on the other side of the border to... Uh, to protect you. Now, Esau lost his way in this context because as you can see in verse number 10, Esau didn't take very kindly to the advice from Hanani. And it says that Esau was wroth with the seer and put him in, pri put him in a prison house for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And guess what Esau did? It said, And Esau oppressed some of the people at the same time. And behold, the acts of Esau, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Esau, in the thirty in and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet, until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease... He sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. Unlikely friendships. Um, in this case, you know, I saw started off with good intentions. Everything was going hunky-dory. Um, the first sign of adversity being that there hadn't been any war for, what does it say? Um, what, 35 years? Somewhere around about there hadn't been wars, a war for a decade. And then the king of Israel begins to build a fortification right there at his border. Not saying that the king of Israel was actually going to attack, but that the king of Israel was building a fortification. Because of his fear, he went into an unlikely fellowship with the king of Syria. Um, when it was pointed out to him that um, he shouldn't have done that. He threw in prison this man who gave him sound advice. Now, I'm not saying that God, as punishment, struck him with disease in his feet. Uh, but what I will say is that God tried his faith by afflicting him with disease in his feet. And Esau failed. Instead of going to the Lord for healing, he went to his physicians. In verse number 13, we see here that Esau uh, died in the one and fortieth year of his reign and was buried in the ground. So Jehoshaphat comes into the scene in chapter 17. And I'm not going to, uh, again, we'll, we'll read a few points and, and I'll try to spread out the reading and fill in the gaps with 
um, with the narrative from the scripture. Um, Jehoshaphat, as it says in verse number 3, <clears throat> was the new king of Judah. And it says that uh, um, he was, uh, uh, as it says in verse number 3, he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not after Balim, but sought to the Lord God of his father and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents, and he had riches and honor and abundance as a result of... Thank you. Um, So what did he do? Uh, Jehoshaphat started off with good intentions, as did his father. Um, Jehoshaphat, as we read from verses 6 through uh, the ninth verse of the Second Chronicles chapter 17, <clears throat> what did he do? He went about and he made reforms. He uh, took away the high places and the groves out of uh, Judah. Um, in the third year, as it says, he sent uh, embassies, um, or he requested embassies. And it says in verse number 9, and, he, and they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. So he took these men and he said, men, this is what I plan to do. And he sent them out to teach uh, the Mosaic law to all the people of Judah. Unprecedented. I don't think, uh, and, and I'm not certainly a scholar of, of all the kings of yeah. Of, of the nation of Judah, but uh, from what I know, this is this was unique in that uh, Judah uh, Jehoshaphat took these men and said, um, these Levites, and he said, hey, you guys go out, and all I want you to do is take the Mosaic Law and teach it to the people. <clears throat> and it says, as a result, that the fear of the Lord came upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that there was no war against Jehoshaphat. And that's a beautiful thing. Until we read here um, that uh, in, and I'm going to skip through a little bit of verses 10 through, through 19, um, because as we can see here, as a result of uh, of of what happened um, as far as him reforming the nation of Judah, that a lot of people uh, liked him and sent presents to him. Um, as you can see in the the, uh, uh, the 11th verse of Second Chronicles chapter 17, that the Philistine king or the Philistines bought presents to him. Um, and as it goes on to say, <clears throat> that uh, even... Um, even the, the mighty men of valor, even some of the, 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 the well-to-do families in the nation of Judah, um, uh, gave him their obeisance. But, in chapter 18, we see here of an unlikely friendship. Now, we all know the story of Ahab. Who was uh, Ahab's wife? 
that Jezebel. And, uh, you know, you can go back to, what is it, the, I want to say the second, second or third chapter of the book of Revelation, uh, that the angel that went to the church at, uh, I think it's Thyatira, um, warning them about this prophetess, this, this Jezebel that would, uh, that was prompting the, uh, the people there to commit fornication. And that's in Revelation uh, chapter 2, starting at verse number 18. Um, so this Jezebel was at this church at Thyatira in Revelation chapter 2, and she was doing some things. And obviously we know that Ahab himself um, was not following in the ways of the Lord. So in the first chapter of Second Chronicles uh, chapter 18, Again, first, sorry, the first verse of Second Chronicles chapter 18. It reads, Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. Now the scripture tells us that light hath no fellowship with darkness. And there's a reason why it says light hath no fellowship with darkness. What, does, uh, what fellowship does Christ have with Belial? Um, and in this, ver in a very real sense, this is somebody who is on the right side of the street, and somebody who is on the unrighteous side of the street, yes. deciding that they are going to develop a friendship. Now, from the context of Ahab, this is a good friendship, right? I need to, as the unrighteous side of the street, as somebody who really isn't uh, concerned with maintaining his purity, Ahab being that guy, he thinks of this as a strategic relationship to bolster and to protect his people in the nation of Israel. But what does Jehoshaphat have to gain out of this? What is in it, what is in it for Jehoshaphat? I mean, he's got riches and abundance. He has honors in abundance. God is blessing him in every turn. There aren't any wars. He's at peace with all of the surrounding nations. Why would he go into a fellowship? Why would he be unequally yoked with an unbeliever? But we see here that uh, they joined affinity, or he had joined affinity with Ahab. And certain years he went down to Ahab to Samaria, and Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance, and for the people that he had with him, and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. And we'll find out what, what's going on there. And Ahab, king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Will thou go up with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. So you see what Ahab did, right? In this unlikely friendship, um, maybe in a friend, certainly in a friendship that God was was not too pleased with. Ahab thinking the way Ahab thought, the unrighteous thinking the way that the unrighteous think is let me align myself with this, with this person who is in the light so that I can, you know, by, by uh, what's the word I'm looking for, by, by happenstance, that's not, 
by uh, as a byproduct. Maybe that's a, a better word. Uh, can be partakers of the prosperity that God has blessed him with. So you see here that Jehoshaphat got swindled. He went out to eat. Went out to a party. Ahab fed him sumptuously. And said, hey, you know what? How about you go up with me to war? And Jehoshaphat said, yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm with you. You're with me. My people are your people. Your people are my people. Certainly, I'll go with you to war. Granted, there wasn't any need to go to war. Certainly not from Judah's perspective. <clears throat> now, there is a lot of trouble. Starting at verse number 4. And I'm trying to figure out where I want to start. So I'll just start reading. And uh, I know with the little bit of time that we have left, I'll, I'll be quick to kind of wrap this up. Um, but starting at verse number 4 in Second Chronicles, the 18th chapter. It reads, And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Therefore the king of Israel gathered together of prophets four hundred men, and said unto them, Shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? Where do you get these prophets from? So Jehoshaphat said, Hey, let's, let's, go, let's ask the Lord and see if this is the right thing to do. Ahab said, with a wink, and I suppose he, he said with a wink, just because of what we know about the history of Ahab. He said, sure. He grabbed 400 men. Why 400 men? Why 400 prophets? All he needed to find was one righteous prophet, and that would have been enough. But needless to say, they said, yeah, go up, for the God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat asks a, a follow-up. He says, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? So that's where I get with the, you know, Ahab with his wink. Yeah, I'll get four prophets. Jehoshaphat said, No, is is do you have a prophet of the Lord? Somebody who is a true prophet of God that we can ask. And the king of Israel, in verse number seven, said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Yes. What? For he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. Well, we know the reason why he always prophesied evil to Ahab, because Ahab was always unrighteous. The same is Micaiah, the son of Imla. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. And the king of Israel called one of his officers and said, Fetch quickly Micaiah the son of Imla. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat king of Judah sat either of them on his throne clothed in their robes and they sat in a void place at the entering into the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah the son of Shenanai Shinnah had made him horns of iron and said, Thus saith the Lord, With these thou shalt push Syria 
until they be consumed. And all the prophets prophesied, saying, so, say, say, prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the, into the hand of the king. But that was not Micaiah's prophecy. In verse number 14 of Second Chronicles, the 18th chapter, it says, And when he came to the king, the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramath Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And he said, Go ye up and prosper, they shall be delivered into your hand. And the king said unto him, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou say nothing but the truth to me in the, to me in the name of the Lord? Then he said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return therefore every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would not prophesy good unto me but evil? Again he said, Therefore heard the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing on the right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramath Gilead? And one spake, saying of this manner, and another saying after that manner. Then there came out of, came out a spirit and stood before the Lord and said, and I'm not, I'll, I'll let you guys figure out or let you, as, so there is a spirit that comes out, all of the hosts of the Lord are saying, how can we entice Ahab to go to war and die? How can we entice him? And one of them, one of these spirits comes forth and says, I can entice him. Um, and this is in verse number 20. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, Thou shalt entice him, and thou shalt also prevail. Go out and do even so. Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth, of these thy prophets, and the Lord had spoken evil against thee. Now, one of the other prophets that Micaiah was speaking to didn't like that and popped him upside his head. But the point being, and you can read through the remainder of this, the remainder of this particular section, because it is an interesting scene here, that Micaiah, first off, he starts off by saying, well, yeah, you guys should go, because he's afraid of being killed. But Jehoshaphat says, don't lie in the house of the Lord. So Micaiah says, The Lord has told me that every one of the children of Israel she needs to go back to their home in peace. Ahab says, See Jehoshaphat, see this Micaiah, the prophet. He doesn't give me anything good. He always gives me something bad. Micaiah goes on further to say that if you do this thing, you will be fulfilling the prophecy that God told me that he wants you to go to war. Or rather, if you are enticed to go to war, you will not survive. 
and by and and as a result, this spirit. Who is the spirit that entices men? It's not. It's not the Lord God, right? Because the Scripture tells us in the New Testament that um, the God does not tempt anyone, but we are tempted when we are drawn away by the lusts of the flesh, and and are, and enticed by the lusts of the flesh. And when those, when we act upon that enticement, we when that lust is completed, it bringeth forth sin. And sin bringeth forth death. So who is the one who who tempts and entices us? Satan. Satan. Absolutely. So in this prophecy, we see here Satan saying, I can take care of the job. I'll put a lying spirit in all of his prophets that will tell Ahab that, yeah, you should go to war and you'll succeed, knowing full well that he will not succeed. And... If you read the remainder of the chapter, Ahab had a plan. He said, hey, uh, why don't you, I'm going to disguise myself and go up to battle and uh, you know be a part of this great victory in Ramoth Gilead. Uh, because Ahab was that type of person. Ahab <coughs> almost got away with the deception. Except as it says in the final verses that certain men... Knowing who he was, shot a bow and killed him. The the bow went through the through his back between both shoulder blades, and killed Ahab yes. while he was on the battlefield. A fulfillment <coughs> of God's prophecy. So we see here, um, and I'm not going to, uh, you can continue to read on about Jehoshaphat and, and all the things that he did up until his death. But we read of his father, Asa, the king of Judah. Right? He went into an unlikely and unwarranted and unsponsored relationship or friendship with the king of Syria. And what happened to Esau? Well, Esau wound up developing a disease in his feet. Was that an enticement? Was that a temptation? Was that a trying of his faith? Absolutely it was. And because he didn't, because in the first place, when um, the, the king, uh, uh, Bashaw of, of Israel, but just simply building a fortification of defense at the border. Right? And Saul was like, whoa, I need to go over to, this, to the, the king of Syria and develop an alliance to protect myself. Instead of going to the Lord. Even when the Lord came back to him through the prophet Hanani, Saying, why did you do that? You could have just relied on the Lord. Asah got angry and threw him in prison. Got a disease in his feet. And even then, he did not go to the Lord for deliverance. He relied upon men. And he died. Jehoshaphat. Started off the same way. 
made a bunch of reforms, became unequally yoked in bonds with the king of Israel, Ahab, and Ahab drew him into battle. Now, you can read about the, the remainder of Jehoshaphat's reign as king of Judah, but there were two more conflicts that Jehoshaphat was in that could have been avoided from the jump had he not, as, as the scripture says, made an affinity, became unequally yoked in a friendship-type bond, an alliance with an unrighteous man. It also says, guess what came back in the nation of Judah? If you were to read the uh, the 19th, 20th, um, the 19th, uh, yeah, the 19th and 20th chapter of the Second Chronicles. Guess what came back? Worship in the high places. Just because of an unlikely friendship, just because of an unsponsored yes. friendship, just because. Two men who are good men, righteous men, loving men, full of empathy and sympathy and compassion, and all of the, the good traits that God has blessed us with through His Spirit. However, they use those fruits in an unrighteous manner. They, they did not keep themselves pure. They did not keep themselves unspotted from the world around them. And as a result, it had ramifications that extended not just be not just into their lives, but also into uh, future generations. Um, great, uh, two good, two good accounts in the scripture, and uh, that's where I kind of want to conclude uh, my lesson uh, this morning, or the lesson this morning uh, from the book, um, is that. We have to be weary. I don't want to say weary in the context of uh, weary of people, um, but we have to be uh, aware, I guess is probably a better way of putting it, who we align ourselves with and who we call our friends um, and who we put our hope and our faith, who, who we put our hope and faith in. Um, there should never be any circumstance where we give up our relationship with God to be a friend to somebody else. Certainly somebody else who is not a member of the body of Christ. I'm not saying that there aren't good people out there in this world who are not members of the body of Christ, but goodness, as it's defined in the Scripture, are those who are faithfully obedient to the commandments of God. So how dare we give up our friendship bond with Christ for a friendship bond with somebody who is not good per the scripture? Or how dare we sacrifice our friendship bond uh, with Christ just so we can build an alliance with somebody who is outside? The body of Christ, that is. And again, I'm not saying... I'm better than the Joe Schmo across the street that I'm not talking about good, better, best. What I'm talking about is faith and righteousness in the, in the gospel of Jesus Christ versus faith and righteousness and obedience to something that is not 
the gospel of Christ. Amen. Galatians, the first chapter says that anybody, any man or any creature who preaches and thus believes in any other version of the gospel of Christ is accursed. That's not Thomas Garner saying it. That's not anybody in this room or on the phone saying that. That's God who is saying it. I'm just a humble, faithful servant. I don't have anything, um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly none of us are holier than anybody else. Only through, <clears throat> the only reason that, the only thing that makes us holy is the blood of God. Amen. And the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. We're not holy because we're super good people. We're only holy because we've accepted the gospel of Christ. That's it, and that's it alone. So as we go out to this upcoming week and, um, you know, interact with, you know, people outside of the body... The scripture tells us that we need to do that. We need to show our love for everybody out there in this world, um, for for those inside the body and those outside the body. But we cannot put ourselves into unlikely, unsponsored, um, unequally yoked uh, bonds or relationships and thus sacrifice our friendship bond with Jesus Christ and with the gospel. So if you're here this morning and you need prayers of strength, um, if there's anything that's on your mind, um, Brother Marzette, do you have a, um, an invitation song you might be able to lead us in?